0: Hope Week 6 treated you well. Welcome to the official podcast of G5 Football Daily. Joe Londrigan here with you as always. Check out our coverage of the Group of Five and the amazing football action we get as a result of his existence. I don't know why I'm speaking in such a roundabout way at the moment, but (laughs) (laughs) we're ready to dive into uh, what was really an eventful week uh, from the last like, three days or so of the weekend. Wyoming had a huge game, which we're going to get into. Uh, some big stuff going on uh, with Conference USA and Undefeated Liberty and uh, some important matchups looming in the group of five. Joining me today, you've seen him on here a bunch of times. You've heard him on here a bunch of times as well. Eric Henry of 247 and Horns Sport, uh, Horns 247. We are ready to jump into the group of five as we've done many, many times, and you know each time it's just as fun as the last. Let's do it again,
1: Joe. Before we dive in, listeners who have heard us opine, whack poetically mm-hmm. about group of five football for many years, know that you know we're kind of like an odd couple, and we usually open the show with something out of the ordinary. And I did not spring this on you until just now, so this is going to be an honest reaction, Joe. What are your thoughts on Brussels sprouts? I hate them.
0: I really don't like them
1: (laughs) in no form or fashion. So not even like you go, you you go to one of these bougie restaurants and they do like the caramel pecans or like, you know, um, uh, air fried, no version at all.
0: Who's putting caramel on Brussels sprouts. What sick individual do I need to report to the police?
1: Uh, I I live in Austin. Does that answer your question?
0: No. So the entire city of Austin. Sure. (laughs)
1: Listen, (laughs) I'm, I'm just saying, man, like I cannot, I had some fire ass Brussels sprouts. Last night, I'm thinking about going back to the Uber Eats order again to order these damn Brussels sprouts, man. I, I know uh, I'm probably telling on myself by the fact that I Uber Eats Brussels sprouts. but You know what things were fire? Like, I almost just cussed a minute ago and I remembered this is not the podcast for that. So uh, they were fire, Joe.
0: You eat Brussels sprouts with caramel on it, you're the one that's going to have a fire ass. So... <laughs> <laughs> just letting it, you know.
1: Listen, it was Brussels sprouts with caramel-like something pecans anyhow man listen joe you, 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 listen joe and i usually like aligned on a lot of things but the things we're not aligned on we're just so far off you know what you're missing out on man next time you get to Austin, i'm taking you one of these bougie spots where we can get 19 dollars brussels sprouts
0: you know i like bougie spots i might uh scan the menu to see what else uh what else they got but
1: <laughs> hey you know. can i can i interest you in a lobster corn dog Absolutely,
0: you can. There we go.
1: There we go. The same spot has lobster corn dogs. I haven't had them yet. Let's try them together.
0: Okay. Now I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight because I'm just going to be thinking about lobster corn dogs, which, by the way, I saw on your Twitter, you were around, obviously, for the Red River Rivalry game. uh, And uh, there was a place selling fried fireball shots?
1: Yes. Uh, So, again, I'll sum this up quickly because I know we're going to get some G5 football here. But, of course, the Red River Rivalry, it takes place at the Texas State Fair. And uh, first off, Joe, (laughs) listen, I love G5 football, covered it for six years. Um, That is an intense day at the state fair. You got to literally, Joe, you have to walk into the fair, like general admission, and then make your way through thousands of people to get to the Cotton Bowl. So that's intense. But nevertheless, yeah, after the game, decided I saw the fried fireball shot. And, you know, being a newbie living here in Texas, I had to indulge in some of the Texas State Fair Food. So I had the fried fireball shot, which I will come back to in a second. Uh, A turkey leg. I felt like that's, you know, fair tradition. You got to have that. And funnel cake. You know me. The rare um, uh, voyage I will make away from a protein shake. Uh, It's got to be good when it comes to sweets. So funnel cake did it for me there. Funnel cake and turkey leg were amazing. The fried fireball shot, uh, a bit misleading. Joe, all it is is a fireball shot with just like a fried French toast thingy in it.
0: Oh, like a little yeah, piece yeah. of like funnel cake almost.
1: Yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's best way to describe it. Um, so it basically was just like me taking a shot of fireball. And it was a rather large shot of fireball, which I luckily I had plenty of Rudy's barbecue <laughs> during the game to, <laughs> you know, coat the stomach there. But uh yeah, a little bit disappointing. Interesting.
0: I yeah. I need to get back to uh one of the one of the great state fairs our country has to offer soon. A lot of great food. Anyway. Let's jump into things we learned from the G five slate in Week six, Eric. I think we all really got to see on a national stage that winning a football game in Laramie, Wyoming, incredibly hard. Uh, Wyo undefeated at home this year. I believe they only lost uh, two games at home last season, and you know I, I think that's going to be something that continues to happen this year as it gets colder and colder. These guys are used to playing in in those uh, sub zero temperatures. Um, but Wyoming, incredible team this year, incredible effort the last couple of weeks from Andrew Peasley in the pocket there, uh, making things happen. Wyatt Wheeland emerging as a really nice target for him as well, had his first multi-touchdown game of his college career in that win over Fresno State. The defense played really well, led by Easton Gibbs, and uh, they take down the number 24 Fresno State Bulldogs who are uh, no longer undefeated and no longer ranked as a result of that game.
1: Joe, let's start with uh, War Memorial Stadium, which I actually did not realize until I for this pod, that it is the highest um, stadium in terms of elevation in all yep. of FBS football. I believe over 7,200 feet of elevation. I, I, I just assumed that it would have been, um, uh, come on, having a brain fart, uh, Air Force Falcon Stadium. Thank you. I, I i assume that it would have been falcon stadium just because of course you know the colorado deal but no that certainly is something that caught my attention and then the play on the field joe um I, i've had a chance you know in covering texas wyoming came to texas and they pushed the longhorns for three quarters i'm very familiar with that team in addition to the g5 coverage got to piggyback on some of the names you just mentioned there easton gibbs had a double digit uh tackle game against texas i uh, believe he had double digits last week against fresno state one of the top linebackers in all of g5 definitely in the mountain west conference and uh wyatt wheeland as you mentioned uh, he was the leading receiver for wyoming when they came to texas so i'm very familiar with his game he certainly is having a bit of a breakout year harrison whaley let's see what his status is no he got a little bit banged up shout out to my buddy uh ryan thorburn uh does a great job covering the team there up in Laramie but uh that is a team Joe that sneakily is very very talented DQ James kind of a, a diminutive uh running back I think he might be listed at five six five seven about a buck 75 but he's a guy who you know if Whaley misses some time certainly capable um of uh I don't say carrying the load but you know before Harrison Whaley arrived from northern Illinois DQ James did carry a, a fair amount last year for Wyoming so all all, very talented team you know and and, and just I listen, kudos to them on that win. I, you know, I am a big Fresno State fan, big Mikey Keene fan, but they managed to, uh, you know, protect home turf and now they're in the driver's seat.
0: That they are. That they are. Looking forward to seeing what this matchup uh, at that Air Force Stadium that you mentioned this weekend down in Colorado Springs brings us. But we will get into that later in the show. Second thing I learned, Eric, this week. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago how frustrated I am with the kind of FCS to FBS transition rules and how they were affecting uh, James Madison specifically. I think they're also affecting Jacksonville State this year. I think if Jacksonville State were eligible to win CUSA, which of course they're not uh, because it's their first year as an FBS member, I think they'd be my pick right now. Best scoring defense in CUSA, Chris Hardy is a monster playing D-line. Odds are if one of their quarterbacks – does have a down day. The other one has uh, stepped in and played very well. Uh, Zion Webb was the guy last week against MTSU, and that win for them uh, the week prior, Logan Smothers had a uh, performance worthy of CUSA Offensive Player of the Week uh, and pretty decent running back in Malik Jackson handed off to as well.
1: Those fighting Gamecocks of Jacksonville State, a really intriguing team. That, you know what's funny, Joe, and I'm going to phrase it in the form of a question. How much did you know about Jack State, you know, prior to them making the transition? And I'm asking it in this way, because it feels to me like James Madison entering the Sun Belt um, got a lot of pub coming in because it felt like, all right, that's a team that could challenge immediately. I don't know if so many people were as familiar with Jacksonville State. So I'm just curious, uh, how much did you know about the Gamecocks?
0: Not as much as James Madison, for sure. I mean, with with JMU, you have the, you know, fairly recent national title at the FCS level. Uh, You had the just sheer amount of runs to that, uh, to the FCS national championship and the FCS final four that they had. So it was fairly familiar with, you know, Kurt Cignetti's abilities to to run a successful football team with um, with Jacksonville state, their big introduction to the world of college football, I should say was when they beat Florida state a couple of years ago. Right. Um, So with, with this rich Rodriguez iteration of them, my impression has always been like, High ceiling, but at the FCS level, seemed like they were pretty inconsistent. But since they've jumped to the FBS, I mean, they've had a really impressive year this year at what, five and one? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've had a little bit of exposure to them, Joe, because they came to FIU uh, mm-hmm. during the COVID year and beat the Panthers. And that was a Zion Webb led team coming in there. And that was prior. That was actually pre Richard Riggis, John Gross. Was still the head coach at the time, but they had uh, some talent, Joe. They had the kid from Western Kentucky, oh, the running back um, Josh Samuel. Josh Samuel yep. was in the backfield there uh, for West for for Jacksonville State. So they've had some some you know real um, success recruiting from you know the at the time when they were an FCS team, room at the FBS level. They also got Trey Barry, who was a big tight end um, who had got some NFL looks as well. So I wasn't too surprised that Jacksonville State, uh, you know, has come in and have some success. What I think has been most surprising about them is the fact that they've been able to do it with kind of this split quarterback deal. Zion Webb on his seventh year of eligibility and Logan and some others as well. Kind of, a, a, a you know, both complement each other, Joe. So many times when you see dual quarterbacks, usually it's one does one thing well. The other one does, you know, kind of a completely different thing they kind of contrast each other but both smothers and Webb can move you know both players then combined for six touchdowns on the ground and over 400 yards so both players you know really get the job done there Malik Jackson as you mentioned uh having a successful year on the ground which I think that caught me by surprise because Anwar Lewis was the guy um who had most of the success for Jack State last year but yeah overall I mean just a really solid team and Colby Fuqua um Fuqua is 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 uh you know really excellent the linebacker spot so just a lot of names i think conference usa fans and g5 fans of a whole need to get familiar with because this team they're they're going to be like the james madison last year they are going to beat some teams and unfortunately we we, i know we're going to talk about a little bit you know in terms of the rules that they're not eligible but they're going to make life difficult for a lot of teams
0: that they are certainly expecting that uh I guess, as of when we're recording this tonight for undefeated Liberty. So that should be a fantastic game. We'll probably end up talking about that on Thursday show. So come back for that final thing for me, Eric. I think I'm the least certain about who the best team in the SBC West is than I have been in the last couple of months. I mean, just look at the results we got um, this past week. I mean, that Louisiana game against Texas state and then pulling that out was uh, pretty remarkable for, you know, Zion Chris and him stepping in and, uh, everything that team has gone through. And then obviously Texas State, a lot of high potential. They didn't play poorly in that game by any stretch of the imagination. TJ Finley um having the best year of his college career by far. And then you can't really count out the defending champs and the Troy Trojans either. And then uh the South Alabama Jaguars are doing some good things as well. Uh, you know, it it's kind of a it's a crapshoot right now in terms of who the best team in that division is. I think it's gonna be uh, super competitive coming down to the wire in the last uh, half of the season here.
1: Joe, I mean, you t- it was talked about <clears throat> in terms of the West Division, just how loaded it is uh, coming off of last week. As you talked about, you know, you got, what, five teams who have either 500 records both in overall play and in conference play. Um, when taking a look at it, I-, I do think Arkansas State might be a year early terms of the fact that they are starting a true freshman quarterback. Someone who will you know, definitely going to need to uh, you know, get his feet under, but also just as a program, I, I think Bush Jones is still kind of you know, restocking the cover coming off of the Blake Anderson era USA um, Kane Womack's club had some success. They got, you know, a veteran quarterback, got playmakers, got to keep an eye on them. Texas state surprised and jumped out to four and two, Joe. I, I want to ask you this. If there was one team, that you think it, you know it's quite isn't ready for prime time, and one team that you think is 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 ready to kind of make a push and, and break out there. Uh, who are you going with in the West?
0: Hmm. This is a tough question. When you say ready for prime time, like the favorite to win the league right now,
1: I'd say to win the division at least.
0: Well, fair enough. Um, yeah, I think I got to go with Troy as the uh, favorite to win the uh, division at the moment. I just because of. The experience in that coaching staff from what they went through last year in order to to win that uh, that league title, um, you know they're getting a little bit better every game. That's kind of what I like about where Troy is right now. Uh, not as complete a team as they were last year by any stretch of the imaginations, but um, Kamani Vidal cannot count them out simply because of what he brings to that offensive attack. Um, in terms of like who's just kind of not quite there yet. I'm really impressed with what UL Monroe is doing this year. Um, they've just been like a little bit off in quite a few of the uh, the games that, that they've been in so far this year. Starting the year with Army was great. Uh, you got a team against a, got a win against an FCS team in Lamar, um, and just barely missed on that App State shot. So they're inconsistent, but being inconsistent is better than being consistently bad. Which they definitely have been uh, to a degree in recent years. But I think they're like, they're definitely getting there. They've taken such a big step forward, in my opinion, in terms of the quality of their play from last season. But I don't think they're going to be in serious contention for the division title this year.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. You know, Terry Bound's club, they've added some transfers, uh, added a guy I was familiar with, Andrew Volmar, starting Cormac from FIU. Um, Mm -hmm. So definitely, you know, I think that's a work in progress. So I I can't push back anything you said there. I just would say um, the one I think isn't quite ready is Arkansas State. Again, I think I I like what they have going there. I think they're a little bit young, but I'm not going to go with, you know, the reigning champ, Um, Joe, Texas State's impressed me. Like every time I expect them to kind of, for lack of a better phrase, fall flat on their face and, and, you know, have that come back to earth, fall back to earth game. They don't, you know, they're pushing teams the entire way. So Uh, I really like what G.J. Kinney's doing. And T.J. Finley, in terms of passer uh, efficiency and completion percentage, one of the tops in the nation. I think he's completing over 70% of his passes. So I'm all in on Tech State. And and maybe that's just because I'm near the situation, but I'm all in.
0: Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the game, I think this is like an eight-win, seven, eight-win Texas State team. But I don't know. But I think, like, Troy's just a little bit better. That's kind of my thought on it. I don't think we're going to have a – Well, unless they come out of the East, maybe. Um, (laughs) It's funny. If James Madison were eligible for the title this year, I would say they're running away with it and they're going to be a double-digit win team, but not going to happen this year. But yeah, I I agree. Texas State, uh, very legitimate contender for the division title as well. I think they're just like a little bit behind where Troy is personally. But anyway, Um, which I guess that brings us to our next topic of discussion, Eric. No G5 teams and the AP Top 25 or the coaches' poll
1: this weekend? How do we feel about that? I, I actually don't have an issue with it. I, 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 I'm not sure, Joe, that when you take a look at the top 25, there are a lot of. I think it's, it's still early in my mind, and this is why I'm making the case. You got a lot of. I think there's five or six undefeated teams in the top 25. Let me like There actually might be even more than that. It might be double digits. So you know those guys are going to rank, and then you got plenty of one-loss teams. So in my mind, I guess if there were a team that I would say I'm a little iffy on, it'd be Kansas. And maybe I'm as close to the situation having covering, having, uh, now covering, excuse me, the Big 12. But no, I, I I don't actually have an issue. I don't think Notre Dame was going to drop all the way out of the top 25. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I actually don't have, I guess, well... <laughs> If you really want to make the case, you can say the Hurricanes, but you know, yeah, I, 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 um, I actually don't have an issue this week.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm not surprised that there's not a top 25, but I'm definitely mildly disappointed. And it's you hit on it a little bit. I do not think the Miami Hurricanes are a top 25 team, and I'm not just saying that because of how they lost the other night in, you know, <laughs> it's just such a ridiculous fashion, but. <laughs> Uh, Wyoming and air force both are right outside the top 25 in both polls. I think Wyoming has like one more vote than air force, which is interesting, but, um, or maybe is it the other way around now? It's going to bug me.
1: Wyoming has one more than air force. Yes.
0: Okay. There you go. But I think both are better than Miami right now. Frankly, um, you see in the coaches poll, Miami's just outside the top 25 in Missouri. Is that number 25 team? Missouri, I think, is a little more debatable. Missouri has the best team they've had in 10 years, in my opinion. But regardless, one of those two between Wyoming and the Air Force will be there after next week. That's that's kind of my um opinion, depending on who wins that showdown in Colorado Springs.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I think I think a strong case can be made there, especially with both of those teams <clears throat> receiving votes. Um yeah, no, I I think that's fair. I mean, I guess I'm just looking at the rest of the teams, they're kind of that you know, 20 through 25 range. Um, Yeah. I, I I think it's, I'm not going to say they will be there, but I think there's a strong case that that one of them could be there. Yes.
0: Yeah. And who knows if we get, you know, some losses from people like Kansas, like Kentucky, you know, if uh, if Notre Dame somehow drops another one, we'll see. Based on how they played against Louisville could happen. Who knows? They dropped uh, 11 spots from last week, but Eric, is it weird to think that we're basically halfway through the season, depending on which team's schedule you're talking about? Because mo- a lot of teams have played six games already and obviously 12 game schedule, but, and it's a little more spaced out than say the NFL is, but a lot of teams have played half of the football. They're going to play this year already.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I is it weird? I'll say this. I chuckled because, you know, in, in our previous uh incarnation you know when i was just covering football it Mm -hmm. felt like man how are we already here at week six and maybe because you know the fine folks at 24 7 sports thank you for paying me uh uh, allow me to cover multiple sports (laughs) yeah maybe i'm like thank god it's week six (laughs) Uh, i'm just kidding um no i mean listen the football season always flies by and i think joe especially for people like us um who, you know, work in this space, you know, for me, when you got Monday presser and Thursday zoom and, you know, a a media, uh, uh, you know, taping these podcasts and then a spot, uh, you know, a radio spot during the week and whatnot, like, it almost feels like it flies by even more. Right. Because if, for us, it's not as if we go from Saturday and then we're like, excuse me, of course we're yearning for the next game, but there's so much, Football related stuff that fills us between the week. That I think it's not like the average person, where it's like, okay, you know, whether it's Saturday football or Sunday football, they usually think about it for maybe the next 24 hours and then it's out of sight, out of mind, figuratively, of course, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, until the next week. So I think it's a bit different depending on the space you're in, right? And maybe that's just me having a stream of consciousness because it feels like ever since this has been work for me, the season. It it, it's it flies by, but at the same point in time, there's so much jam packed into it, it almost doesn't. Whereas, you know, when I was just taking in as a fan, it's like, man, it's almost November, (laughs) you know? Like, wow. So, that's my thoughts. I uh,
0: I can see that. I think I have a little bit different perspective as you know, someone who full time is watching five different leagues of football (laughs) on every Saturday. And I, I'm almost thankful that we're spreading the games out a little more. I genuinely don't know if I would rather have like this kind of schedule, like on a consistent basis, have like three or four games every day, as opposed to having, you know, a few dozen or whatever it is on Saturdays. Um, at least from my perspective of having to like divvy up my time and energy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's weird that, uh, to me in any way that, um, Six weeks of the season have already flown by, but uh, obviously a lot more football left to be played uh, and a lot more football to talk about. With that, Eric, when you look at this first half of the G5 season, who's been your biggest pleasant surprise in terms of a team?
1: I'll give you a couple. Um, Texas State is definitely one. Another that I think I've been pleasantly surprised with, I know you talk, you have them on your list as well, is UNLV, only because, and I almost hesitated on putting them in the pleasant surprise. I know I talked about a few weeks ago, the fact that they've had fast starts, they just haven't finished. That was kind of their issue under the Tony Sanchez era um, and others. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry, I got the frog in my throat. Um, and I think, uh, I, Joe, I want to put Jacksonville State in, in my surprise list. Again, I thought they'd be good. But I didn't think they'd come out and you know be five and one and three and zero in conference. So they're in my surprise list as well. I'll come back to my um you know quote unquote disappointments in a minute.
0: Yeah, I ditto to Texas State. Obviously, I think everything GJ Kenny's doing there is exactly what that program needed. Um, I didn't think it they would be at this place this quickly. That's encouraging to see. Uh, UNLV, you hit on it. I think once they got rid of Marcus Arroyo, it was like well how much is this going to set them back? And it hasn't set them back at all. They're playing a really fun brand of fast paced football right now. Um, And then Georgia state, I think definitely falls into that category four and one start for them. Best start ever. Best start as a team. I should say, since they've been a football program, can they finish out the season? Who knows? But yeah, I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised. And on the other side of the coin, looking into the dark side, who is the biggest disappointment? (laughs) Trying to get the spooky voice warmed up since it's Halloween season.
1: Joe, I'm I'm not just trying to pick on on these guys, but mm. I I I was torn on this. I am going to include them in the disappointment factor. Um, I'm going to include more teams, but I'm starting with Charlotte, and it's just mm. only because the amount of noise that came out of that program, and specifically from their head coach, that. It, 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 <laughs> Joe, those of us who've covered G5 football, we knew that that was going to be a rebuild. And for the amount of noise that came from Biff Pogey's mouth to be one in four, it's. I guess this has been disappointing overall because I, I, listen, man, I will not go on a long rant, but I really want that program to succeed because there's a strong fan base there. And um, not only a strong fan base, a fan base that has been waiting for a winner. We saw how they you know, just just rejoiced when they got the seven wins on Will Healy. So really hoping they can get things turned around there. The two others, UTEP Joe, we've been watching Gavin Hardison play football for a long time. And I'm not putting this squarely on Gavin. It's, a, it's a, you know, a combo job, he and Dana Dimmel, but that is, they've regressed. And that's disappointing because another one of my favorite cities that I've traveled to and covering Cooper 5 football, really, really love El Paso. They are, Joe, it's just such a unique city, um, yeah. being right there as, as a border town. And um, just, man, Joe, so hospitable. Every time I've, got, I've been there three times, and the folks have been so hospitable, so nice. Shout out to, you know, Steve Kapowitz, Adrian Broadus, uh ESPN 600, El Paso out there, do a great job covering all things UTEP. Um, just such a great city. And you can tell that they, you can tell there's a dedicated UTEP fan base. And then I think there's kind of like the other half of it, that when they're good, we come out. Um, But they are just looking for a reason as well to kind of support that team. And they got it when, you know, that program went to a bowl game, but things just regressed. So those are the Mm -hmm. two for me that I just say are are, are disappointments. Yeah.
0: Very solid points for me. I'm going to go with North Texas. I definitely think they're up there. Um, I don't know if they're – now that you've explained your points, I think you've won. (laughs) But um, I I will say these two teams have definitely been disappointing too. Uh, North Texas, two and three start in year one of the Eric Morris era for them. Um, You know, I thought the firing of Seth Luttrell was a weird choice. I don't think he's. I don't think he w- had did anything particularly amazing at North Texas, but I thought he was solid. Um, and and to bring in Eric Morris, I was like, oh, well, you know, th- he's got some knowledge of how to you know play good fast tempo football that might fit with what North Texas has. And you know, I, I guess I was kind of right. It's kind of a you know monkey's paw situation. It's like the offense is going to play really solid, score a lot of points you know, go a hundred miles an hour and make, make some mistakes along the way. But the defense is also going to be one of the worst in FBS right now. Um, got destroyed by Cal. Who's not great. Lost by a score to FIU. Um, did manage to, you know, squeak out wins against Louisiana tech and Abilene Christian, and then came out this past weekend and, you know, really had a bad game against Navy. In my opinion. So, you know, to see where they are now when, frankly, it seemed like they were not in a great spot, but I don't know. I, I don't feel like this version of North Texas football is much better <laughs> than what we were getting in, in uh, the Seth Luttrell years, personally. But, you know, they've got a long way to go, and there's a lot more football left to play. But they got yeah. Temple, Tulane, Memphis, and UTSA the next month. So <laughs> good luck with that.
1: Joe, just on the Seth Troll front, I mean, that's one maybe I wasn't as surprised because I think Seth Luttrell had a couple of years where they were, you know, kind of on the cusp, right? Uh-huh. They never really broke through, but furthermore, new AD, and you know, whenever you see that, that happens, you know, yeah. you know that, that, that it, it's, it's looming, right? So I guess that's why it didn't surprise me that much. That's a team that struggled with defense for the better part of, you know, over a, a half decade. I mean, you know, Troy Referent. Uh, Phil Bennett. Um, gosh, I used to be able to remember to name off all of the uh, former North Texas defensive coordinators. Now I can't anymore. But um, they, they, whether no matter who's been back there, and that was during the Latrell era, uh, mm-hmm. they've struggled with defense. So that's something they definitely got to get cleaned up. But yeah, I, I was not too surprised there. I'm not too surprised with them overall, but I can understand for your sake um, being a little bit disappointed.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a solid point about the new athletic director that I forgot about. That's it's been so long since that decisions started taking shape. Um I'm also going to say Army's been pretty disappointing too. Every game they lost they should have won. I don't think there's really a game um that they've played this season where I was like yeah, they they were out they were outgunned there, right? Like lost to ULM, that was just poor execution in the fourth quarter on their part. Um and really <laughs> pretty good play from ULM as well. Um, I think everybody was surprised. Like Terry Bowden, I remember Terry Bowden coming into his presser after that game and was like, "I cannot believe we won that." Okay, we <laughs> might have something. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Syracuse. You know, I know they're still trying to figure out every component of Andrew Thatcher's offense, but they were just overthrowing guys left and right in that game, which was a, obviously a clear departure from, um their last couple of games there where they beat UTSA and, uh, Delaware state. And then this last game against, uh, Boston college, just some bad mistakes in that game. Some, some bad mistakes, namely the, uh, illegal forward pass that, um, set up, uh, Castellanos, the UCF transfer to get like a, it was like a 65 yard scoring drive to win the game. And he scored his fourth rush t- rushing touchdown of the game. They could not contain him at all, but Yeah. That's uh, that's my take on where Army football is right now. We'll see if they can get it together. Let's start closing this one up, Eric. What games are you excited for this week?
1: Okay, Joe. So a game that I am looking forward to, uh, Liberty in Jacksonville State. We've talked about the Gamecocks a lot, and it might be one of the biggest games in that program's history at Burgess Snowfield in Jacksonville, Alabama, a place that I've actually had the pleasure of driving through. <laughs> a couple times, but uh, yeah, they've welcomed Liberty and Caden salt is playing really good football. Jack state, as we've talked about, and i having a really successful year. So I'm really interested in that one, Joe. Uh, what's your first one?
0: Mine is FIU UTEP. Um, that's coming up in the middle of the week here. I think if FIU are going to make a bowl game and show that they've taken a step forward as a program in the last year under Mike McIntyre, then I think this falls under must win. There are way better teams then UTEP left on FIU's schedule. So I think this is going to be like a, all right, where are you really in the year kind of situation for them? Like Keon Jenkins has looked really good, but also they've had moments where they've looked like the FIU of old. So I'm curious to see what they do in these new vice
1: jerseys they got. The old vice jerseys that are ever popular down in South Florida. Joe, for my second one, we talked about the Rebels. They take a trip to Nevada. And that is an 0-5 team. However, yeah. this is the type of game when you go back and look at UNLV's history. It's this part of the year where things start to tail off. It's this part of the year where they start to struggle. Can they go into Nevada, do what they're supposed to do, and have a decisive victory? If they come out of this five and one, two and zero in conference, then it might be really you know time—no pun intended—to you know go all in, put you know, all your chips to the table on UNLV. <laughs>
0: Uh, for me, the second one's Tulane Memphis, both these teams very much still in contention for the AAC title, both very much in contention for the new year's six. Still home team has won the last six matchups between these two teams. Uh, curious to see what Michael Pratt does in this game. You know, he he looked really, really good in their last, uh, contest against, uh, I believe the UAB was their last game. They played, that was two weeks ago. They had an off time. They had an off week in week six. But you know, this is going to be this is the best competition I think in the AAC left for them this year. This is a really good Memphis team. Um, but we'll see if they can get it together on the road. And uh, yeah, and you have a third one.
1: Oh, we're going three. My apologies. I thought we would I mean,
0: two. no. I I, I I I was just going to finish up with Air Force in Wyoming. I I think that's going to be like that's the game of the week in the G five. Obviously, like undefeated team hosting a team that's that killed the ranked team, right? Um, just so many fun storylines around that game. Are we going to see Harrison Whelan? Are we going to see, you know, Craig Ball get this win. That's ultimately going to propel him into the, uh, into the rankings for the first time in a couple of years. Um, But yeah, the Wyoming air force, easy game of the week.
1: Well, no, Joe, I mean, I do have a third, I can, I do agree. Uh, I'm going to counter with a game. I think could be considered a game of the week. Tulane in Memphis. Okay. Yeah. That one, you know, Friday, from Citizens Bank Liberty Stadium, which I know as the Liberty Bowl. Two really good teams in the American. I'm definitely intrigued to see how that one shapes up. So that'll be my third.
0: So I think that's going to do it for this episode. But Eric, of course, great to talk to you again. Um, where can people find you on social media? I feel like I've been doing it for you the last couple episodes. And uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to sit back and let you do it.
1: Oh, I appreciate it, buddy. You can find me on Twitter at EricCHenry underscore. You can find my coverage of the Texas Longhorns football program and the entire Big 12 at Horns247.com and 24-7 Sports. And also, see some of my video hits, uh, Horns247 on YouTube, cbsports.com as well.
0: Fantastic. You can find me, J O E H I O underscore, on social media and G5 Football Daily on Instagram and TikTok for clips from the podcast and uh, other fun stuff we're working on. Happy football watching, everybody. We will see you very soon. Thank you so much to SI and the Fan Nation uh, Network for letting us do this every week. We'll be back on Thursday with a special guest, and it's a big one, literally.